evening, and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. We're kind of going old school. It's just the two of us here in the studio, but we do have intern Kylie here as well. She's over there in the news booth, and she's monitoring everything, social media, uh, over on Twitter and what have you, and she probably knows about some social media that we don't even know about. We know all about the anti-social media, though. We know more about the people that just want to stay at home and not talk to anybody. That's that's what I really needed today. That's kind of how I was feeling for most of the day. Like, everybody just leave me alone. There, there should just be, like, anti-social media, where it's for all the people that don't care, and we can all commiserate and just, like, complain about, oh, no, wait, that's what regular social media is already. Well... Anyway, I did have a, a fun afternoon, however, uh, with the, I was a guest on the little podcast that did. So if you've never checked that show out, just look it up. And uh, the really great conversations there each week, and uh, we we got into some pretty deep stuff. So if you uh, are a fan of podcasts and you want something to listen to, I highly recommend it. Check it out. You can get it pretty much anywhere where you find podcasts, or you can go to their, their website as well. But it's the little podcast that did. And thank you to everybody who is... In the chat room tonight on Spooky South Coast Spooky TV, who were part of the show this afternoon, uh, thank you for letting me do that show. Because usually that show airs later, like they 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 stream it live and then they put the podcast out. And usually it comes on, I think like seven o'clock our time, or sometimes even eight o'clock our time. And I said, you know, there's no way I can do the show because it's it's a two hour show, and then there's usually like an after show in the Discord chat after that, and so. There's no way I can do with the show that close to our own showtime. So they were kind enough to move it back to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So I had time to do the whole two-hour show and the after show and still be able to get here on time because I knew that I had uh, screwed some things up here in the studio that I had to fix before Matt got back in so that he wouldn't be disappointed in me. But uh, <laughs> I, I got it just in the nick of time. So, yeah, check that out if you would like to uh, see that for yourself or listen to that for yourself. And uh, and I recommend listening to the show each week because they they do a good job of uh, kind of going deeper than just the surface level questions. And we talked a little bit about the history of this show. We talked a bit about kind of the history of how we use ghost boxes and uh, how uh, I, I really just kind of laid things out. And as I'm saying it, I realized that we have actually been kind of at the forefront of some of the ghost box stuff over the years. And I'm not saying that to like put us on any kind of a pedestal, but just, you know, kind of tangentially, we, tan, tan, sh- yeah, peripherally. We were kind of there when this whole thing hit, and we just so happened to be, you know, uh, checking things out with Chris Moon at the Lizzie Borden house as he starts to use the telephone to the dead and the, the Frank's box device. And so, yeah, we were kind of at the forefront of some of that. And then we were talking about the Estes method and how we've abandoned using ghost boxes and we use Echo Vox instead and just very interesting stuff. The the hard questions were ones like, you know, how much have things changed in the the now almost 13 years that we've been doing this show, right? Almost 13 or we're in, we're in year 13, right? Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to. You think by now um, I know how to turn on a microphone for you? Right. I, th- I think uh, I think it is thirteen. Yeah, it's, it's around thirteen. Yeah, we're I think I'm, we're, unlucky thirteen or lucky for us, I guess. So we're in the fourteenth year of the show because we just had our thirteenth anniversary. Two thousand six. Right. Yeah. So this is the four- so we've been doing shows for fourteen years. It's been a long time. 
Been a long time, been a long time, been a long, lonely, 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 lonely time. And for those of you who are Greta Van Fleet fans, you get that. <laughs> that's that's going to kick off a huge fight right. amongst a large portion of our audience. As it should. As it should. No, they're not copying them. I'm, I'm torn about it, to be honest uh, with you. What's your honest feelings about it? I mean... it's it, it's re- They're really good. However, it's almost too good. It's it's definitely it's, derivative. It's, it's almost like a like a um, like a the uncanny, uncanny valley of uh, music, you know. What what bothers like, me like about it's, it? Like, it's almost too good to be real. Yes, I've, I've you know I, I can I can see that side of it for sure. What what bothers me the most about it is that they just didn't come out and say, yes, obviously we've been influenced by Led right. Zeppelin. They like try to play it off like they didn't know who Led Zeppelin was. They weren't they weren't a Led Zeppelin like tribute band prior. No, I, from from what I really? thought I read is I thought they said no, we don't we don't even really we're not really even that familiar with Led Zeppelin. See, that makes it worse, I think. Yeah, like that's just as ingenuous. Right, right. But then again, hey, you know, at the same time, uh, Led Zeppelin didn't really come out and say, yeah, we stole all of our stuff too. Hey, that's true. I, I put up a post about that one time on Facebook about how, you know, Greta Van Fleet is kind of just karmic retribution for Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And, yeah. oh my God, the the angry responses that I got from people. Because I was hating on Greta Van Fleet. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm actually kind of right. hating on Led Zeppelin. It doesn't make them less good. No. You know, musically? I mean, it's... It's not I mean, like I it's mean, not like it's plagiarism. I mean, can you be uh, good musically but poor creatively? Is that, if is that a thing? I think so. I think you can be influenced oh. and get ideas from other people. Right. But I mean, obviously, Led Zeppelin did directly steal some stuff. Right. I think there there is a line. I, I suppose. But uh, at the that, same time, that was but that was around the time that like everybody kind of. Right. All the white. Heavy metal bands of England were ripping off the black blues artists of America. Right. So, just so happens that Led Zeppelin also ripped off some other of their contemporaries too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I've heard that whole thing with like Stairway to Heaven, and it, the other song definitely had an influence. It may not be. Excuse me. It may not be directly stealing it, but right. There, there wasn't much of an. Imp- I don't know. It, it does sound similar, but I'm not sure if it was exactly theft. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Led Zeppelin fan to begin with anyway, which people always like, oh, how could you not be? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I, I I understand. I admit that they are great and they are hugely influential and they're, they're hugely influential in a lot of bands that I like now. You're more of a fan of their ties to Aleister Crowley? Not even that. Even, no. even that, I think, is just bogus. You know, that's just like the illusion that they were trying to create. You that's, think so? Oh, yeah. That's, there, there was no, like... You know, Jimmy Page wasn't trying to be the next Crowley or anything. You, they just did it for the, the storyline. You know, mm-hmm. they did it for the, for the legend that would come up around it. Right. Like, cause I remember when I was a kid hearing that the devil wrote, Stairway to Heaven, and then uh, I also good. heard that the devil wrote Hotel California. Yeah, it's good publicity. Yeah, it's it absolutely is. But you got to think. So if the devil wrote, Stairway to Heaven, and he wrote Hotel California. Now, don't get me wrong. I think they're both very. Very fantastic songs. But that's, um, like, neither one of those is really, like, what I would ex- be expecting from the devil. <laughs> right, exactly. I wouldn't expect the devil would play, would, would create the one song that could also be on the easy listening station. Right, you expect it to be more, like, industrial or, like, a lot more. 
Yeah, like I'm pretty sure like, the devil would have been like in Rammstein or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like you know what the devil would have made? The music that we used to hear when we were driving around when we were teenagers and we put on the UMass station. And then we'd like hear this freaky stuff and be like, oh, I can't listen to that oh, yeah. anymore. Uh, which actually did have like babies crying in it and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, but then again, you know, that's probably how the devil gets you is by putting out songs like Stairway to Heaven and Hotel California. That's how he kind of, uh, hooks you in. Hmm. But I remember like in my younger days before I really started to get into like metal music. And I was being told that, you know, that was the devil's music from older folks. Right. Like, no, everybody that listens to that music, like, worships the devil. And then I started listening to it, and I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't about the devil. Like, it was just about stuff. <laughs> like, that's one of the first metal bands I got into was Iron Maiden. And why was I into Iron Maiden? Well, first of all, my friend Luke introduced me to them, but also because so many of their songs are about history. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I don't know what um, if that if that's a real thing, but uh, like history metal is 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 pretty good. I love it. Tell me the story. Yeah. Tell me the story with power chords. <laughs> right. That's what I want to know. Well, we do have a call on the line. Let's see if we can uh, go to that. And uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me bring up all the things that I got to push. Before we go to the phones, good evening. Oh, hey, I hit the wrong button. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Good evening, Tim. How's it going? Good. I wanted to get you so early to give you an update. Oh, hold on. I get it. All right. You know who this is, don't you? Oh, I know. I know. Okay. Well, uh, my lawyer was supposed to get out of the hostel. I don't know if I told you he was in an automobile accident. You did. You had mentioned that last week, yeah. Okay, yeah. He, he was supposed to be getting out Tuesday. Of this this coming Tuesday, but I think he might be out earlier than like Monday because I was my lawyer. I contact uh, well, actually, yeah, I contacted them today, uh, actually yesterday because they weren't open, and uh, he should be. I they told me to call Monday, so one day next week will be delivery day. I don't know what day, but it'll be one day next week, and when it happens. Uh, I'm hoping to get down at BSM for like a celebration. Well, we'll be here. Uh, so they're when they come, they're gonna you're gonna get kind of everything all at once. Are they gonna bring both cars and and all the the money and everything? Or well, well, actually, it's, it's one car. But what they're doing with the uh, the majority of the money, they're gonna do a, a wire to wire from uh, 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 what is it? Their uh, uh, Loomis Fargo is gonna. They're going to wire the, the majority of the money from their account into mine, and then they're going, they're going to give me like uh, half a million in cash in a, in a briefcase. So you've, you've given them your account number already, so it's ready for oh, the transfer. Oh yeah, everything's all set. In fact, uh, I, I get a kick out of my lawyer because I, I actually haven't spoken to him, but I've, I've spoken to his office, and he's all worried that I don't have it yet. And I'm like, I've been waiting a year and a half. I've been you know, I've been scammed by the FBI a year and a half. I said, I, I can wait a little bit longer. <laughs> so how, how did you find the lawyer? Is it somebody local? Uh, no, actually, uh, his lawyer was appointed by the government when the uh, when they got the uh, when Homeland Security nailed down at the FBI people and everything. The, uh, the government appointed the lawyer and very ironic. Uh, one of the lawyers, because he was telling me different people that work for his outfit. He gives me the name George Quinn, 
And I said, Quinn, I said, we have a district attorney. He says, oh, yeah, they're related. Hmm. And as soon as he told me that, I said, I got no worries in the world because I, unfortunately, it was at uh, uh, the DA's father's funeral that I met him. Ah. Which I kind of like to meet people in better circumstances than a funeral. Right. But, uh, oh, yeah, in fact, I was, when I went to that funeral, <laughs> there was, of course, there were teachers because the uh, the youngest worked at Ford Middle School. He was a teacher, uh, and I worked as a custodian. I worked there. So there were nothing but lawyers and judges and teachers. It was quite a uh, quite an eventful, you know, it's an awful way to meet people like that, but... Uh, Right, yeah, you, you, you want to meet people under better circumstances, but also sometimes, you know, fate brings people together at the right time, too, for the right circumstances. All right. And uh, one, of your, one of your crew members asked me if I had a sister when, when I got <laughs> off here. Well, I, I, have, I have to laugh because, yes, I do, but I think she might be just a little bit older. And she's seeing someone anyway, but she's a little, because I'm 60, and she's about 55. So well, she might just be a little bit older. How old is Moniz now? Like eighty-seven. He's, <laughs> he's uh, well, he's got to be. He's over fifty, right? He's almost sixty. I think. I don't think he's almost sixty. I don't think he's that old. We celebrated his fortieth birthday with him pretty early on in the show. Maybe. Oh. So well, he's like got to be at least in his fifties. Well, like I say, she's seeing somebody right now, anyway. Well. <laughs> I mean, how does she feel about a long-haired scientist who looks like he needs a bath? Uh, I don't think she'd go for that too much. All right. <laughs> some, some do. Some <laughs> of them, that's say. what they're looking for. Sad to say. But, uh, like I say, I wanted to, uh, and, and I got to tell you, you did, you did a great job down in Florida. The only, the only thing that I, I didn't like too much was it was coming in like on a split screen. Oh, with the YouTube, yeah. So yeah. that was uh, the way that we originally had it designed was it was supposed to be that we were going to have more space between where Phil was broadcasting and where oh. the cameras were. So we were going to have one camera that would point at Phil and his guest, and then the other camera was going to be pointed at the crowd so oh. that the crowd could come up and kind of say hi to people uh, back home. But then when what ended up happening is we kind of got all squished together there, so yeah. I just kind yeah, of made it work yeah, on the fly. Good job, though. Good job. If we um, if we end up going back next year, we'll we'll learn from our mistakes and we'll put it out better, you know, better than before. Yeah. And and like I say, hopefully, like I say, I don't know what day next week, but I'm going to figure on that on the Dillingham place. I'm figuring maybe the longest a month. Well, that'd be moving pretty quickly. I mean, you want to make sure you get everything checked out and inspected yeah, well, and all like, that well, stuff. Well, like I say, I've got I've got um, inspectors for everything. And um, hopefully there's not, you know, too much that has to be structurally done. Like I said, I want to make it safe for you guys, too. Well, I don't we appreciate that. I don't want you to go that. in there and break a leg or something, you know? Yeah, that's, a, that's the, the one thing is that you finally get the chance to get in there and investigate after all these years of waiting, and then you twist your ankle going through the front door. You know? Yeah, it's... you don't want to do that. <laughs> and, and like I say, as far as I'm concerned, basically I just want to observe um, – because I'm I'm interested in the paranormal, plus the fact uh, you see this, believe it or not, is the end of a. Uh, uh, I was I went to a psychic about uh, 40 years ago, and the psychic told me that I was going to be very wealthy late in life, and nobody was going to believe that I was going to get this money. And this is like what I'm just getting over because nobody 
that I've, the majority of people I've told, they don't believe that I'm getting all this money. I, I can tell you that's what we hear from the audience. A lot of people in the audience are questioning it. Well, the reason they're questioning it is because, like, when I was dealing with the FBI, they would give me a delivery date, and I would give the people the delivery date. And then they, when the delivery date got there, there was something, either I needed more money or some other thing. So I had to keep canceling it. And that's why, yeah, it looked it looked fishy. But once, see, I only found out about the FBI taking, um, doing this. I only found this out a couple of months ago. And I had, I had two lawyers, I mean a lawyer and the Federal Trade Commission prior to this lawyer I have currently. And they kept playing games and come to find out one of the guys was affiliated with the FBI and he got arrested for espionage. And then the government assigned it to this current lawyer I have now. Well, I guess, you know, part of this is a lesson learned for people. You know, when you when you do get the money and you let everybody know that and, and, and proof that it comes true, then they're going to also have to take you at your word about what happened with the government, too. And it's going to start to make people question that a little bit as well. well I mean, see, see, they won't be dealing with the FBI anymore um, because there was a total of something like 300 agents that were pulling stuff all over the country. So more than likely, they'll deal with Homeland Security. And um, uh, as far as uh, if they're notified, they will be notified by telephone by either uh, publishers, clearinghouses, lawyer, or whatever whatever sweepstakes it is. It, they'll identify themselves as a lawyer for whatever, whatever sweepstakes or whatever um, contest it is. Uh, if they get letters in the mail... That's the stuff you want to watch out for. Well, I, that, that was my first, was a letter in the mail with a check. And that was when uh, I found out after that ISIS was trying to get into my account because they thought I had already, uh, at that time, it was like $1.3 million, and ISIS wanted that money. So they thought that I already had the money put in, the, in my bank, which I didn't. So now you're, you know, getting involved in... International issues as well. I, I just saw a story the other day about how people are are not paying their tax bills. Oh yeah, uh, yeah their, their delinquent taxes because the IRS has started using outside collection agencies. They use four different outside collection agencies, and people are getting letters from these collection agencies and just throwing them in the trash because we've always been told the IRS will never you know use the collection agency. The IRS will never call you, so they're ignoring phone calls from these agencies, and so well, it's. Well, uh, see, they won't. See, they won't. Um, the IRS. Um, I believe, I don't think they will contact you um, unless uh, they have to, and I don't think they do it by phone. I think they do it, like, by registered letter or something, because they, they do it in a way, because, because right, now even uh, the, uh, one of the callers called up that there was a scam going around, that Social Security office was calling people, and the guy said, Social Security office will never call you Unless you're on with somebody, uh, like you've been down to the office, and they tell you, well, I'll call you. And when they call you, they identify who they are and what you talked about. Other than that, Social Security will not call you either. Yeah, it's, it's, they're changing the rules a little bit, too. And, uh, and it's, it's confusing people. But the important thing is just make sure that when you get all this money, I know that you said that it's tax-free, but just oh, make... It's because, because it's a legal settlement. Just make sure, though, that... Uh, you you 
invest it and, and, and hold it in the right ways. That's uh, I know that you've been in touch with Jose, so he'll oh, make sure oh, that you, yeah. you do things yeah, the correct in fact, way. In fact, I, I always listen to, like, I listened to his show today, and I was going to call in, but he was going over the tax form. And my younger sister gave me a tax form, and I'll, I'll tell you, I haven't done taxes in about 20 years, and I, I attempted to do one of my last ones. And I got to a point where I, I couldn't figure out what to do, so I stopped. But I was looking over the new tax form. If they set it up a little bit different, I, looking at it, I found it easier to do. I used to do the 1040EZ. I found it easier than that. Hmm. When I was just reading over the form, I said, oh, gee, it's just too bad they didn't rearrange this in a better way because it's easier than the, than the 1040EZ. Well, I mean, hey, Donald Trump said we're going to be doing our taxes in the back of a postcard, so can't wait for that to come. Oh, that'll be that'll be kind of interesting, but I won't I won't tie you up anymore because I'm sure you have a great show. I didn't ha- hear the lineup. I just happened to realize that it w- that you were on, and I figured I'd get your so- your show early, and uh, that way you guys uh, can whatever you know whatever you guys got going, you can put it on. Uh, I found last week very interesting too about was uh, the guy that was abducted by aliens. Boy, that was yes. quite yep. the uh, quite a thing. So I will let you go, but I will keep in touch. And uh, as soon as uh, we get that uh, Dillingham property, and there'll be others because uh, there's a lot of places along. Uh, in fact, a buddy of mine lived on uh, Mill Road in the Kushner, and he swore the house was haunted. He was scared to live there. Oh, there's there's all kinds of places around here <laughs> like that. Oh, yeah. So you take care, Tim. You Have as well. Good evening, and we'll be talking. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. And the number is 508-996-0500 if you would like to call in. Matt, if you got, let's just say, you know, we're not going to go as far as the amount of money right. that uh, that he's he's going to be winning. But let's just say somebody gave you a million dollars and said, you can spend this on something paranormal. How would you want to spend that money? Something paranormal. Yes. Like, this money is for you to utilize for, you know, paranormal research or... Mm-hmm. You know, paranormal adventures. How would you want to do it? I would probably uh, organize some sort of round the world uh, paranormal expedition. Bring yeah. a few friends. Go to see like castles yeah. in Europe, and yeah. I think uh, I think most people listening to the show know what I would I would do with that million dollars right away. I would yeah. uh, go make an offer on the Amityville house. Think so? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure uh, for a million dollars I could get it. Oh yeah, because it keeps selling for just under that. You know, it's. I think the last time it sold recently it was for like eight hundred and something thousand. So, so would so. you open it up as a bed and breakfast? Apparently, they won't allow Starbucks. It. They won't let you. Paranormal. They won't zone it for that in the neighborhood because the neighbors don't want it. Yep. Um. So they've they've fought tooth and nail over the years to make sure that nobody could actually. Because, I mean, so would would I, you still be allowed to do like private tours? And I don't think so. Hmm. Like I'm just I'm just gonna throw this out there, and I'm not trying to sound like a jerk here, but I, I have a, a friend, an acquaintance who is a billionaire. Right. And so I pitched him on the idea of buying the Amityville house and turning it into a bed and breakfast. And so the response I got was, well, look into it and see what the possibilities are. And so I reached out to the uh, town administrator or the town manager or whatever it is that they call that person there. And that person explained to me like, no, you don't understand. Like those neighbors would all pull in their money and buy that house together to keep that from happening before you could get in there and do it. Mm. So it's a shame that they wouldn't let it happen, but I also kind of can understand because 
you're living in a neighborhood where people are paying almost a million dollars for their houses. And so they don't want to spend that money to have a circus going on, you know, two houses down. I can, I can kind of understand that. Yeah, but. it's. I mean, I get angry about it, but I also, I really kind of understand. Mm-hmm. But uh doesn't mean we couldn't just bring people in from the river. Right, and if you had as much money as uh, the gentleman on the phone was uh, uh, claiming that he was getting, like, you wouldn't need... You wouldn't need to make money. Right. Then you just buy the neighborhood. Yeah. Just invite whoever you wanted to do a investigation here or there. Like, I believe the term for that is uh, FU money. <laughs> it's true. Yep. And uh, I, I certainly would have a lot more fun with that than I would with, you know, just a million dollars. Just because, like, eh. But then again, like, if I, you know, if I won $500 on a lottery ticket, I'd feel like that was FU money, too. Yeah, like I yeah. would just, I just feel like totally empowered by having five hundred dollars in my bank account <laughs> at once for the first time. Yep, you just go to Chili's and just get lava cakes for days. It's interesting that you choose to go with the Chili's lava cake. Oh yeah, as your go-to. <laughs> Is that like your celebratory oh, meal of choice? That's my that's my luxury food. Yeah, that's my that's my like when I get my tax uh, tax return, it's like Chili's lava cake. You do know that they're really only like six bucks, right? Sure. It's <laughs> it's a status thing. It's like driving a Dodge Stratus. It's like when, when it comes out, everybody <laughs> in the restaurant turns around and looks. Oh, he right. got the lava cake. Right, right. <laughs> Mr. Rockefeller over there. <laughs> it's like that's kind of like how I always feel when I order the tiramisu at a restaurant. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, the exactly. tiramisu. Yeah. Oh, just regular cake isn't good enough for him. He has to have lady fingers soaked in brandy. Right. <laughs> it's. Is it obnoxious to get the lava cake? No, because it's obnoxious to get the the uh, the fajitas. <laughs> fajitas are obnoxious because they're so loud, and they're everybody like, oh, it, knows that you got fajitas. Yeah, because because the waitress has to be like the hot plates going through. Nobody touched the hot oh, plate. Yeah, it's very hot. Don't put your hands on it. Then you have to put it together yourself. That's what. That's what I don't understand. Fajitas cost more than tacos and burritos. <laughs> right. With fajitas, you're doing most of the work yourself. It's unbelievable. So I don't know why it costs more money. Scam. Scam. Listen, we're on to you, Mexican restaurants. (laughs) It's all the same ingredients. Everything that you have, there's only five ingredients. There really is. Like, if you go, I mean, uh, I love Frontera Grill over across the street. (laughs) Right. But it's really just all different combinations of the same ingredients. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like I guess that's why it's so cheap. An enchilada is a burrito, is a chimichanga, is a, they're all the same thing. Is that right? I'm, I don't know if I'm. We have a call on the line though. <laughs> let's let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. How you doing, Jim? It's Mark. I'm sorry. It's Mark Colacusa. Hey, How Mark. Doing? How you doing? Good. Uh, two things actually. One went to food off a quick tonight. Yes, we we didn't wait till the last segment of the show to talk food. Yeah, I noticed that. That was odd, but that's okay, too. Because we're both hungry. I always said if I hit the the $1.6 billion prize on Powerball or whatever, I'd buy you guys a uh, a, a RV so you could do remote broadcasts. Of course, my RV for Paranormal would have ultimate cameras all around, because it gets cold out there, ghost hunting in, in the middle of the night in the woods. Right. So I definitely have an RV. But I'd make Flair invent a windshield that would go to thermal right through the windshield so I could just sit in the comfort of the RV and see the whole thing from uh, from inside. 
but you guys would have a mobile studio as well. Well, we appreciate that. You know, the, uh, Moniz actually has an RV, but uh, he doesn't let us use it. That stick in the mud. <laughs> he bring, he he said he bought it so that when we went to like haunted locations that were far away and doing events, that so we could just sleep in the RV. But then he just seems to forget to bring it every time. Well, also too, we haven't really gone anywhere all that far. I think he did. Oh. Didn't he sleep in it one time in the parking lot in Winchenden? I think he did. <laughs> yeah, I think he drove it to the Murdoch Whitney house and asked if he could sleep in the parking lot. Did they hear him snoring from inside? From I don't know, but uh, I think I kind of yelled at him a little bit, like, "Dude, you don't just show up in the RV and ask if you can stay in the parking lot. You, that's you arrange that ahead of time." You imagine if they said no, that'd be awful. Um, that whole thing all the way back. There's enough places around there that you, you could find a place to park. Nobody would ever know that you were there. I suppose. But yeah, that would that would uh, yeah, certainly be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's true. Well. uh... You have a great night, and uh, hopefully we will see you soon. Yeah, I hope so. Take care, guys. All right, take it easy. The, the original Paranormal Pirate, you know him from all the Bridgewater Triangle episodes, which um, we'll be doing again later on this year. We'll, uh, we'll probably do that sometime either in the late summer, early fall. We try to make sure that we do it at a time when it's still warm enough to go outside, but you're not going to get bitten by mosquitoes, so we'll keep that in mind for this year, too. And uh, the question in the chat room is when the Oliver House event is. That's next Saturday night, so there will not be a Spooky South Coast next Saturday because uh, I will be at that event, which is uh, now sold out. But they have plenty of things going on throughout the course of the year. It's the 250th anniversary of the Oliver House this year. So they're going to have a lot of ghost hunts going on. Most of the nights are booked already for this year for different events, but they've, they've got tickets available for them. So if you didn't get in on this one, uh, you can certainly get involved in some of the other ones that are coming up uh, at the Oliver House. I know that uh, Ty from uh, Haunt Me is putting one on, too. So you, I, I would highly recommend going to his if you can't make it to ours. And then also, I mentioned the Murdoch Whitney House. We'll be back there next month on April 20th, right, 420. We're going to do a ghost hunt. And uh, just keep in mind, you can't... I, I guess... See, here's the thing, Matt, is... We make a rule that says you can't do any of our events if you're under the influence of anything. Like, if we find mm. out that you're under the influence of anything, like, we will ask you to leave and there's no refunds. But then again, like, it's legal in Massachusetts now. That's true. So if but somebody I mean, wanted to do it and then come to the event, like, we really can't stop them. But, I mean, so is alcohol. Alcohol is legal, too. Yeah, and we would definitely will throw you out if we think that you're drunk. Right. So, I mean, but, I don't know. I think if, if you're... Well, it's only maybe, come up once. Maybe if, like, other um, other people are bothered by it, maybe. It's it's only come up one time like, where we more, had to ask somebody to leave. More so, like, I, I think the smell, if, if, if there was, like, a smell and it was bothering other people. That's true. I mean, that's for anything. How many times have we just had stinkies show up? That's true. That we've had to kind of like encourage them to go off into right. their own area. But we, we had that issue. Uh, we were doing an event at Fort Tabor, and there was a group of people that showed up that uh, not only were they drunk when they arrived, but they continued drinking in the parking lot before they came into the event. And there was six people that had paid $100 each to come to this event. And I had to go out there, and um, there were there were bikers too. Like, you know, 
mm-hmm. but not the kind of people that you mess around with. And I had to go up there and tell them, listen, I'm sorry, you can't come in. Like, you can't take part in the event tonight because you're obviously drunk. Right. And also, there's no uh, no refunds. So that's that's a very scary thing to have to tell somebody, but that's that's the what you agree yeah, to when I mean, you buy the tickets. It's a, uh, I mean, it's on you if like they like say they get hurt or something. Right. Because they're... Like we're we're already taking out insurance for this event, and the location has insurance. So if something goes wrong, like we're gonna both have to pay through the nose, even though we have insurance. Like, okay, fine, I buy. Single event insurance, which is costly, but at least it's a one-time thing. But the the location pays monthly insurance, so they're going to have their premium skyrocket if something goes wrong. So we you know we have to, and plus we want to make sure that if something does happen, you know you are in. I mean, paranormally speaking, that you're in the right state of mind to experience it and to enjoy it. You know how how much of an experience can you relate if you were half in the bag when it happened? So right. I don't know. I, I we try to not be too heavy on the rules, but that's one rule that we think we're going to always have to follow. Some people, uh, not necessarily alcohol or marijuana, but I mean, some people think that doing some drugs um, increases like your perception of paranormal and, activity. And I've had that discussion with people, and I've said I'd be willing to try that. Like I've always said, you know, I've I've never done any hard drugs, mm-hmm. and I'm probably not going to, but. I've always said, like, someday I might, like, take some mushrooms and and try to communicate with spirits. That seems interesting to me, and it seems worthwhile. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think I would want to go so far as to, like, drop acid mm-hmm. because... I mean, they, they say the, uh, the like, um, I think, it, I, I'm not sure if it's both LSD and um, magic mushrooms, but they it's kind of, like, stimulates whatever part of the brain that... Um, it's stimulated when you're, um, like, right before death, mm-hmm. where it releases all those endorphins to kind of, like, uh, and I think there's people out there that believe that that's kind of, like, maybe the doorway to the other side. Yeah, I, and I would like, be, I would, that's why I'd be willing to try it, but I just want it to be a controlled environment if I'm going to do it. Like, I don't want to have to go anywhere. I don't want right. to have to leave. Is it because of all those uh, propaganda Videos of like people jumping out of buildings and stuff. No, no, I don't. I don't believe that. I just you need a guide. I'm just worried more about just how long it's going to last. That's all that I'm concerned about. Like it's it's not so much that I think I'm going to do something stupid. It's just that I don't have twelve hours to kill. You have adult things to do, right? I understand. I totally understand. But uh, I do think that there's some some value in in trying that and and seeing what happens and getting rid of all these DMT. I was corrected. Oh, yeah. Well, you know who's all about like that? DMT, ayahuasca, stuff like that. You know who's big into DMT and, and paranormal stuff? Our boy Jiggy. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I mean, he's not shy about talking about it. He just gave a lecture about it at the Conscious Life Expo. Oh, really? So, mm-hmm. it might be worth, you know, exploring. And he's offered. So, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get together with him on something and, and try it, because why not? I mean, there, there's, there's so many people that um, have done it and claim to go on a... And like they 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 talk about it and they refer to it as like a spiritual experience. Am I admitting to uh, potentially committing a crime on the radio? I think you could. Statue is it more than seven years? Statue of limitations. I well, I mean, if I'm giving advance notice that I'm going to do it, no. that's probably not a good thing. I think it's but fine. yeah, fine. I'm not sure. I know, like, we can't really 
Like we can talk about marijuana use, but we can't like play commercials for marijuana businesses mm-hmm. because the FCC doesn't like that. So I don't know. I'm, pro- I'm probably going to get myself in trouble a little bit here, but I, I think that there would be some worthwhile uh, research ability for that. I just, uh, like I said, I just don't have a lot of time, mm-hmm. and so I need it to be kind of a, a I mean, controlled. I mean, look at look experiment. at how much uh, like the government put faith into it with um, like. What was, I, I don't remember the uh, the pro what the program was called, but Metasteric Goats that was the movie that was oh um right bye uh, bye blanking um somebody in the chat will tell us it's on right. the, it's on the right. tip of my tongue uh but the that's another thing that I would like to do is you know because one of the ways that they get people to to be able to remote view we were talking about this earlier on the little podcast I did is uh one of the way that they one of the ways they do that is to put people in sensory deprivation chambers. Mm-hmm. And I'd be willing to try that. I would love to do that because that's pretty much what we're like, trying to do like with the Estes method. Like while under the influence? No, no. Or, just to right. try to just to try to like remote view. I would say that'd be uh that'd be pretty freaky to see where your mind went. Yeah, that that actually isn't a bad idea either. But then what happens if I go insane? <laughs> I don't know. I think well, I mean, I think you do go insane. I think that's the purpose, right? Well, I think going insane is like the the common, like, straight-edge person's response to what they expect will happen. And then people who do those substances will say, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I'm saying I would go insane because I'm already on the border anyway. So if I'm already that close and this is just going to push me over the edge, then that's just going to make things far worse. So I, uh, I would be concerned about that. Mm-hmm. But we are talking about some different paranormal topics. And uh, if you have any thoughts or comments or questions, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. I heard uh, – so I went out and did a a lecture the other night. I was at the Southworth Library in Dartmouth, and I was talking about presidential paranormal, which uh, I will be doing again in May. It's May 22nd. Uh, I'll be in Randolph at the Turner Library talking about that if you want to come and check that out. But So I'm talking about presidential paranormal, and at the end of the lecture, there's always a Q&A session, and people want to talk about local ghost stories. And, and one of the things that came up was there was mention of the St. Mary's home in New Bedford and about how that has a long history of being haunted. And I had never heard about it before. Apparently, it was at one point under the control of the Bristol County Sheriff's Office, from what I was told, and that now the city of New Bedford is in charge of it, but that it's a former uh, orphanage. So if anybody out there is listening and has any experience with the St. Mary's home, whether you work there or whether you you know, were living there or if you've been inside or any of this kind of stuff, if you've worked there over the years when it's had these different incarnations, and if you have any kind of paranormal stories to relate to it, I'd love to hear them, 508 508- Nine nine six zero five hundred. There's a lot of places around this area that people will ask me, have you been here? Have you been there? Have you been there? And we haven't been because as much as we've been talking about the paranormal on the South Coast over the years, we don't get a lot of reports of places around here that we need to go and check out. Maybe private houses we do, but not a lot of publicly accessible buildings or publicly accessible locations. You know, we had for a, a good run of years of being able to investigate Fort Tabor before that was, um, I don't want to say taken away from us, but before 
they decided that that's not the direction the city wanted to go in anymore, allowing people to do that. We've heard stories about the Siemens Bethel. We've heard stories about the Zyterian Theater and, and even the, the old high school building. But, you know, there's, there's got to be other places out there that we haven't heard about. Uh, and if you want to share any with us, 508-996-0500, there's a, there's a really weird person at the window right now. And uh, I don't think we should <laughs> – just, just my brother. Uh, but uh, he's probably out there listening and heard me mention that I want to take mushrooms and showed up to say, what are you, crazy? Uh, but uh, there's a lot of those locations around here like that that people, I think, know about but just haven't shared with us over the years, you know. And and there's nothing like hearing about places that are in your own backyard to kind of stimulate you to want to research them and find out the real history of them. Like think about how much uh, how many false stories there were floating around about Fort Tabor that – we were able to just talk to the people at the military museum and, and debunk some of those stories that have been told over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and getting to the bottom of some of these legends like UMass Dartmouth being built by a devil worshiper. And even now, like if I talk to kids that go to UMass, they they still hear that story. And they still believe it. I'm like, well, listen, I believed it in 1996 when I didn't really know how to use the Internet yet. Mm-hmm. But you kids have grown up, like, knowing how to use the Internet. You should know how to just quickly look something up and see if any of it's true. Like, I'm pretty sure it would be mentioned somewhere if the guy really did jump off the camp aisle in the middle of the campus to kill himself. Right. That would be somewhere. But, you know, it's it's not true at all. 508-996-0500. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hey, how's it going? Uh, my name's Matt. I'm from Massachusetts. Um, I was wondering if you guys ever did any research or ever got any calls about um, Cape Cod Bay as like a UFO hotspot? Uh, I haven't really heard a lot about UFO stuff uh, in Cape Cod Bay, but I wouldn't be surprised either because, like, we have it here uh, in Buzzards Bay, especially, like, around right. the Dartmouth-Westport area, so I wouldn't be surprised, especially with yeah. having having the Air Force Base there, too. Right. I was going to say um, there was a segment on uh, Unsolved Mysteries way back in the 90s or 80s, and it was about a an Air Force recruit who was supposed to, um, he got off his bus and made a, a collect call to the Air Force base and someone would come get him. And, uh, he kept, he called back and said, you know, I've been here for a few hours and nobody came. And they go, oh, your commander came by two hours ago and nobody was there. So long story short, it was a, a missing time thing. And, um, hmm. actually, Bud Hopkins, uh, wrote a couple of books about it. And, uh, but that's, um, I used to vacation. I kind of still do in that town of Truro. And uh, at night, when you look up in the sky, it's like, I mean, the sky is like alive. And, right. And like, obviously, you could see satellites because it's, uh, you know, it's over the ocean and there's not, there's no city light. But I'm, I'm talking like things moving at right angles, disappearing, like just weird, weird stuff. And I even, um, we were taking pictures of the gorgeous sunset one year with this really good camera. And the, the file was so big when we opened it up that eventually we, we noticed this little, like stereotypical flying software, I'll, I'll email it to you if uh, possible. But I was wondering if you guys, if you thought it would, if it was like a, if you see more because there's less city light, or is it? I, I think you would certainly have the opportunity to see more. I wish Moniz was in tonight because he'd probably be able to share with you some stories um, from at least a, from a historical perspective. But Matt, you just found something of a of a recent report. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. The other Matt, uh, Silent <laughs> Assassin. Oh. 
Uh, there was a re- report on the um, reported on the the twelfth of uh, this month um, in Wareham. There was a white oval oval sphere, uh, oval sphere above um, uh, in the Wareham area uh, around like Mass Maritime. Uh, it was a white glowing object just hovering in one spot, um, making zigzag motions. And does it say about what time? Of, what time of night that was? Uh, it was reported at about eleven o eight p.m. Wow, so you would think there'd be more people that would have seen it, too. So, and it was uh, in the air for about 25 minutes. Hmm. That's great. How did I not hear about that, then? Hmm. If something's over our own town for 25 minutes, how did nobody see it and reach out to me? That's that's yeah. crazy. Oh, it's, I was in Florida, it's, it's though. Kinda, it's, it says one that jets, uh, because they observed three jets uh, flying around it, and when uh, jets approached, it seemed to change color, glowing red for a split second and disappearing. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Well, uh, thank you very much for the call. We're up against a news break, but uh, I will see. Yep. I will get with Moniz and I'll see wh- what he knows, and we'll have him report back on that on the next show. All right, thanks a lot. All right, thank you. Bye. 508-996-0500 is the number. We're going to take a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, we can talk more about some of the strange. I want to. I want to find out if anybody else that's listening saw anything remotely like that. And uh, I was not in town Monday. I was in Florida, so that's probably why. You know, otherwise I probably would have been out in that area or at least been, I live not that far from there. So maybe I would have like gone to take the dog out and seen something in the sky. But, uh, either way, you know, if you can call in and share with us, let us know. We'll take a break for the news. We'll come back with more spooky South Coast coming up in just a few moments. Are you intrigued by paranormal talk radio? You love the new paranormal radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, and psychic medium Stephanie Burke, both out tonight. However, intern Kylie is here. She's running the uh, the Twitter over on uh, Spooky South Coast uh, Twitter feed at Spooky, no at yeah at Spooky SC, and uh, she's over there now putting stuff up there. And and Kylie, I'm going to put you on the air if you want to press the number two and then pot it up and. There you go. Hey, how's it going? Put yourself up to about the 20 over there on that board so that we can hear you. I think it is at the 20 right now. Okay, put it up a little higher because you're not at, you're, you're definitely at a low level. All right. How's there we that? go. That's, that's, huh? Uh, hold on. I got to put you through to the radio broadcast, to the video broadcast. So, uh, Matt brought up a great point just as we were coming back from the break that we could have actually had you here in the studio with the laptop instead of forcing you to be in the news booth. Yeah, that's true. 
But I do like this little area. I figured you'd probably wear comfortable in there by now. Yeah, it's very nice. And when you're in there, like, it's a lot easier to pretend like you're listening to me mm-hmm. and not actually have to. Whereas if you were over here, like, you really can't escape me. I'm two feet away. I still listen to you. It's okay. You say that now. <laughs> but let's just wait. You're you're still new to this. Yeah. Have I even been here for a month yet? I don't know. I think so. I think yeah. about a month. Okay. And uh, and of course, you know, you've been doing a great job of keeping things rolling on Twitter. Are we hearing? Are we hearing from some people on Twitter tonight? Or not too much. I had asked one question: um, What song do you think the devil may have written? And then this one person, Mark Colocus. Mark Colocusis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You can just call him the pirate. Mark the pirate. Okay. Mark the pirate said he did not write "The Devil Went Down to Georgia." Yeah, because if he did, he probably wouldn't have put himself as the loser in that story. I had to look up the lyrics. I didn't know you, what the song You've was. never heard that song before? I don't think so. No. Well, you're young, too. Yeah. But um, still, it's a classic. I had never heard it before. Uh, there's a lot of songs that are about the devil that uh, I think he probably definitely wouldn't have a hand in. Most likely. So, especially because he usually comes out on the wrong end of most of those stories and, and songs. But So now, when you're done, when the show's over... We're going to have to play for you. The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Yeah. Do you like fiddle? I don't know. I've never really listened to music with fiddles, but... There's a lot There's a lot of fiddle in this song. When I looked up the lyrics, it said demonic fiddling. So I was very confused. Yeah, see, I disagree with that. Because, see, here's my thing about The Devil Went Down to Georgia. I actually think that I enjoy the devil's performance more than Johnny's. And I actually think the devil was a better fiddle player based on the sample that's in that song. So I don't know why the devil gave in so easily and and just let Johnny win. Like maybe there was like something going on there. He was kind of setting him up for something later on. But clearly in my eyes, the devil was the winner of that fiddle duel. Matt, what do you think? Um, I think you're right. I think the the devil kind of had a little more finesse to it. First of all, it had like that, that, like kind of that disco funk, like, See, I, I have to recreate it because if I actually play it, then YouTube will flag the video. True. Yeah. So I have to kind of just recreate it myself. YouTube will probably still flag the video because, you know, their AI is ridiculous. But, um, you know, and then, then the devil kind of comes in with this, and he goes, like, really nuts, whereas Johnny's just like, like, Johnny, you sound like everybody else that plays the fiddle. You know, the devil made it sound something really different and better and unique and devilish. So I wouldn't go so far as to call it demonic, though. That's what the lyric website said. The thing, the thing too, is, uh, you know, with the Charlie Daniels band, it's the same guy playing the fiddle in the song for mm-hmm. both parts. So in the end, like, Charlie Daniels is really the winner because he can he's the one playing both those parts, and he's he's a pretty damn good fiddle player that's for sure don't necessarily agree with him politically but uh hmm. he is definitely oh you know, he's know his politics yeah you will if you listen to him talk for about 13 seconds oh yeah, oh, yeah. super super right like to the point is it, where is it like the uh, duck dynasty guy yeah pretty much oh. yeah so it's um yeah it's that level so uh but yes if you uh if you have any songs that you think that the devil may have had a hand in writing you can tweet that to us at spooky sc you can also give us a call, too, 508-996-0500, if you would like to call in and discuss. See, I think if the devil was going to write a song, first of all, I don't think it would necessarily be something that's about the devil. 
because that's too obvious. If the devil was going to write a song, he would write a song that becomes so infectious that you can't escape it. It will just become ubiquitous. It'll be everywhere, and it will be something that you know people will uh, be polarized by. It will be something that uh, even 20 years after it first hits its initial wave of popularity, people will still fight about it every time it comes on. It'll be a song that will actually influence people's lives and control them almost to the point that when they hear it, they have like a Pavlovian response to it, and they have to respond in a certain way. Hmm. So obviously what I'm trying to say here is the devil wrote the Macarena. <laughs> right, okay. exactly. Because I think that's accurate. I it's It's got to be. And I think that the Bayside boys were just, you know, the devil's DJs. They took the the, the remix power. I don't think that uh, Los Del Rio had anything to do with it. I think they were kind of just pawns in the devil's game. You know, they just, like, they made this, like, song, and they're like, Los, 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 And then, like, they had no idea that they were inspired by this, the, right. the, the Lord of Hell himself. But uh, they just make this little recording, and then, then the devil's like, Bayside boys, take that and do your worst. <laughs> and now the next thing we know, it's like being played at every wedding, and it's still being played at every wedding. Matt, I know another song that you might feel is written by the devil, because we've talked about how much you can't stand the song, speaking of weddings. Pink Cadillac? No. Oh. No. Uh, Celebrate by Cool and Oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, I remember you saying like you couldn't you'd snap uh, yeah. if you heard that one more that's time. True. That's true. A lot of weddings. <laughs> but um, there's that. Um, they say like the Beatles like sold those soul to the devil, right? Yeah, they like but, Revolution Number Nine. Has supposedly, there, I was gonna say, has there ever been like a Beatles song that um, is necessarily credited to um, or believed to be? So I mean, I guess you could argue. I'm sure people have said that uh, the devil probably had a hand in Helter Skelter. But I don't think that Helter Skelter is an in- inherently evil song. I think Charles Manson was just insane and took an inherently uh, took an evil message out of a song that was not evil. Um, but I have heard, you know, I have heard some of the uh, concern that Revolution Number no. 9 was something that was kind of put out through nefarious means. That it wasn't just, hey, let's get high and mess around with all this stuff. It was... You know they were directed by the devil to do it. Hmm. So it, it does seem like a uh, like a production feat for the time. Yeah, but I mean they were pushing the envelope with all hmm. kinds of things, so hmm. it makes sense. Now there's a, a a DPM in the chat room said supposedly Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys made music with Charles Manson. I think it was, if I remember right, it was Dennis friends, Wilson. Right? No, but I think it was, oh, was Dennis it? Wilson that uh, Manson stayed at Dennis Wilson's house. So it will be um, – it, it, I think the relationship was more between them. But, you know, I could be wrong. Is DPM saying, you know, look it up? Um, and, and we will. But the other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, one of the other legends is that Manson tried out to be a monkey. Like to be one of the monkeys. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. That was, I think the show would have taken a different turn if it was like, you know – Peter, Mickey, Mike, and Charlie. I think <laughs> right. it, it would have uh, would have had a little bit of a different twist to it. But if the if the devil was going to influence music, like I said, I don't think he would be messing around with metal. He's already got that audience. You know what I mean? You don't have to put out 
metal music and get those. Those are the right. kids that are already listening to his message. Not to generalize, but uh, you know that's kind of that's kind of something that I can make the argument that uh, you know you're already kind of preaching to the choir when it comes to that. What you need to do is you need to get like the country people. Because think of oh, how many country songs are about God and are about, you know, like not directly. It would, it'd be very uh, devious of the devil to do that. Right. So you've got people that are mm-hmm. kind of already pretty strong in their faith. Those are the ones that you need to get in there and influence and kind of freak them out and kind of flip the script with them. So maybe that explains, mm-hmm. you know. It's interesting. Some of the. The pop country that's come about in recent years. Who's who's the, who's the guy that everybody loves now? The country singer that everybody loves now. Uh, I don't know. The one that he always plays Gillette Stadium and Barry Richard goes to see him and Kenny Chesney. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's the instrument of the devil. I'm just throwing I, this all out there. We're, we're I, probably we're probably uh, going to get sued for I, I, slander. I think, um, if any country singer was the devil, it would be uh, Chris Gaines. <laughs> but that's the thing. I don't think Chris Gaines sang country. No? No, oh, I don't think I thought it was did. just like a, like a darker like country or something. I thought, I it was supposed, I, I, I thought it was supposed to be more pop stuff. I, know, I don't I know. I never really I never heard it. <laughs> but he had a goatee or a soul patch, right? He had the soul patch. Yeah. And, 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 and the weird – he had like the little Nicky bangs too, didn't he? Yep, yep. <laughs> like – how is that like when you're designing a character? You're like, I'm going to create this entirely right. new alternate I, being. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to give him little Nicky bangs and a soul patch. <laughs> like that's Basically what he did is like they, they went out to the store and they bought a woolly willy. <laughs> and they, they replaced the face with Garth Brooks' face mm-hmm. and said, now take the magnet and try to make the most ridiculous look that you can. So they're like, okay, little Nicky bangs and a soul patch. Right. And right. Uh, there we go. I, I, I <laughs> was uh, was Coven an evil band? The only song I know by Coven, this comes from Cupcake Explosion in, in the chat room. The only song I know by Coven is One Tin Soldier. I don't think I ever heard anything else by Coven. And One Tin Soldier is actually a pretty, like, strong, like, it's supposed to be a positive message. You know One Tin Soldier, right, Matt? Um, I think I would know it if I heard it's it. It's the song from Billy Jack. Okay. You, I'll have to look it up later. It's not popping up in my head. Yeah, we can't play it. So yeah, it's got like the flute music. <laughs> you know, go ahead and hate your neighbor. Go ahead and cheat a friend. Hmm. Do it in the name of heaven. You can justify it in the end. There won't be any trumpets blowing come the judgment day. On the something morning after, one tin soldier rides away. So. I would. Somebody mentioned Christmas shoes. No, the de- if there's yeah. ever a song that the devil wrote, it's Christmas rapping by the waitresses. Mm-hmm. You know that one. I do, but I think Christmas shoes is probably oh the worst. The worst. I, I don't think I know Christmas shoes. It's really depressing. What's who sings it? Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know. But it's really depressing. It's. A, I think it's. It's not even really about. It's kind of about Christmas, but it's about. Like cancer. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that sounds <laughs> that sounds depressing. Yeah. Um, did the devil write, "Dear Mr. Jesus"? What's I don't know. I don't know that song. It's that song that my mom used to listen to all the time when we were kids, 
that uh, it was like a song. I forget who put it out. It was like a church group put it out, and it was about abused kids. So I always felt bad hating on it, but it was just so annoying. You know how I feel about kids singing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what the devil wrote. The The Cars for Kids Jingle. jingle. That's definitely a a production of the devil. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if anything is... uh, all right, Lamone's got some trivia for us in the chat room, too. So, John O'Brien says that song by the Waitresses rocks. No, that's so annoying. And the only thing more annoying than Christmas rapping by the Waitresses oh. is their other big hit, I Know What Boys Like. <laughs> it's basically the same song. It right? is. It really is. Actually, I, I would say the music, the musical quality is better in uh. Christmas rapping. John O'Brien just typed it in the chat, and it's now it's in my head. It's in your head now, yep. The, f- the funny thing is, though, is if you ever needed to donate a car, you're going to remember that number. Right. I don't recommend donating your car. Like, go and scrap it, because there's no guarantee that any of that money makes it to kids. I actually read a whole article where they said it's kind of a big scam. Is it really? Yeah. Huh. And then they tell you you're going to get these uh, vo- these vacation vouchers and all that kind of stuff. They, and they just keep those kids in a basement somewhere. Go make more commercials. Yes, more commercials. And they're like, let's see. How can we... Let's, 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 once they get too old... They? <laughs> no, they, they they feed them reverse hormones. Do they? So they can never age. Oh, Jesus. It's, 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 really, it's really pretty uh, <laughs> evil the way they do it. But the, the one thing that they haven't done yet, and I'm surprised, they haven't done a hip-hop version of that Cars for Kids song. Oh, that would be awful. They've done like, they do like the rock version. Mm-hmm. And I think they have like a country sounding version, but I've never heard. Uh, well, who was the other annoying commercial? That, that might have been written by the devil. Um, there was the band, it was like the freecreditreport.com band. Oh, yeah. Freecreditreport.com. They did, they did a few of those uh, commercials, and, and they weren't all necessarily that bad. No, but I, they could definitely be the work mm. of the devil. Uh, Jason in the chat room just mentioned that the best Christmas song is uh, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMZ. No, I would actually take that a step further. The best Christmas song ever is the one that Christmas in Hollis sampled, which I don't even know if I can say the name of the song on the radio. You know what song it was, Matt? Do you remember? It was a Cla- Clarence no. Carter. Oh. Was it Strogan? No, it wasn't Strokin. No. But Strokin is probably the greatest song ever written. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the the Christmas and Hollis samples. Call me back to Santa. The Block Island Ferry song. The the Block Island Ferry song might actually be written by the devil too. But yeah, Backdoor Santa was the song that that sampled. <laughs> the Block Island Ferry song might be written by the devil. It's mm-hmm. not springtime though around here till you hear that song. Right. That song's been around forever. It has. The um, the other song that could have been written by the devil and used in an ad campaign, The Spirit of Massachusetts is the Spirit of America. Remember that one? Yeah. And th- that actually made it to a uh, a Family Guy parody. Did it? Yep. Oh, yeah. If you look it up, there's actually a, a Family Guy episode where they, they recreated the entire Spirit of Massachusetts. Commercial. You know the song, right? Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. actually like <laughs> did the whole bit. Is uh, very good. Well, Seth, Seth uh, McFarland's in uh, from Rhode Island, right? I don't know if he definitely is. 
Or just base the characters. But he definitely knows a lot about the area. Right. Um, you know, if only we had a computer in front of us that had Google attached to it and I could look it up, but Consult I'm just, Google too. I'm lazy. So this is what, this is, this is Lamone's trivia. Charles Lindbergh's grandfather, upon coming to America, changed their last name from Lindbergh to Manson. I don't know if that makes sense, Lamone, because if Charles Lindbergh's grandfather came to America and changed their last name from Lindbergh to Manson, then the Lindbergh that we knew that flew the plane would have been known as Charles Manson. Am I wrong in my logic? No. Did, does she mean uh, Manson to Lindbergh? No. I think he's or... trying to say that the Mansons are related to Lindbergh. Hmm. So John, yeah, that's what I assumed. Uh, John says Seth MacFarlane went to RISD. That's that's what I assumed was was probably the case. I don't know if he was from here, around you know. But uh, yeah, so. Those are just some ideas of songs that we think could be written by the devil. I'm actually I'm going to do a Google search and see. Because there's got to be songs. Remember we had that guest on um, who wrote the book about, uh, what was it, like Hail to My Sweet Satan or something like that? And it was it was all the stuff about the, the satanic uh, panic of the 1970s. And uh, uh, here's to my George, sweet Satan. George Case. Hmm? George Case. Yes. Wow, you remembered his name. That's uh that's Oh, you looked it up. <laughs> the Google machine. But that was a that was a really interesting uh interview. So songs allegedly written by the devil. I'm looking for that. Well, you know, we we totally skipped over Sympathy for the Devil. Mm-hmm. Which there were people that were concerned when that came out that it was written by the devil. And there were people that were concerned when that came out that Mick Jagger might actually be the devil because he took on that role so convincingly in performing that song. So these are giving us a lot of the uh, creepiest um, uh, backwards masking in songs, backwards messaging. Of course, we're also keeping out of this discussion for some reason all the Robert Johnson songs. Mm. Do you think that if Robert Johnson allegedly sold his soul for the devil to the devil to be able to play the guitar, if that really happened, do you think the devil wrote those songs? Or do you think it was Robert Johnson writing those songs with the power the devil gave him? I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming, it, going by the legend, it would be the, the, the power that um, that he got from the devil. All right, well, now we're, now we're down a rabbit hole here because I just found on Wikipedia a list of backed, back-masked messages. Hmm. So <clears throat> the Beatles have it in, in rain. The sun shines, rain. If the rain comes, they run and hide their heads. Uh, so they're saying that it's gibberish that occurs during the fade-out. Uh, it's actually sections of the vocal melody. So they say it was uh, deliberate, deliberately put in a reversed and it was acknowledged repeatedly by John Lennon and others. And then Free as a Bird, they have a backwards message of Turned Out Nice Again. And you can hear that in the songs Fade Out as well. But, you know, that's – they. it even says here – I would heard the story when the album came out, and they even say it here that Paul McCartney said they did that on purpose because that was the song that came out in, in the 1990s that they had made from the lost recording for the Beatles anthology. Mm-hmm. And so – 
because there had always been these decades now of people saying that there was backwards messages in the Beatles songs, they put it in there. So that makes sense. I, I'm reading this list, though, and some of it doesn't make any sense. Like, the message that they're saying is the actual song itself. So, like, the butthole surfers are saying in the song Pepper that the the backmasked message is, I don't mind the sun sometimes, the images it shows, I can taste you on my lips, smell you on my clothes. Mm. And it goes on there, but that's the actual song. That's right. the verse. Right. So, so it's the same frontwards and backwards? Yeah, that's, even if that's the case, like, what, what's the point? Like, I like this one, the Bloodhound Gang and their song Lift Your Head Up High and Blow Your Brains Out. Devil Child Will Wake Up and Eat Chef Boyardee Beefaroni. <laughs> like, if you're going to have a backwards message... Right, might as well. That's... Was, uh, was it Black Sabbath who was taken to court over that? It was Judas Priest. Uh, I actually had um, a guest on Midnight in the Desert recently mm-hmm. where we were talking about backwards messaging, and we talked about that case. And I seem to remember, and you and I have talked about this like in just our general diner discussions, mm-hmm. but there was a song um, where the backwards message was, Hey, Ma, my chair is broken. And I remember like hearing the news story about that and saying... Like, what's the big deal? Like, what does that mean? Even if they put that message in there, backmasked it, right? Like, it doesn't mean anything. So, why are you getting all upset about it? So, in this list, it says uh, "Love Bites" is um, the sub- subliminal message was "In the Dead of Night, Love Bites," but that's isn't that the regular lyrics? Uh, see, I don't, that's why I don't follow this list all all this well. Um, I do love uh, I do love that L seven in the song Boys in Black, back masked uh, the formula for a Big Mac. All beef <laughs> patty, cool. special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Nice. Uh, cupcake explosion. Put um, uh, crackling rose. Is there a, is there a back mask in uh, crackling rose? Well, let's take a look and see if there's anything on this list anyway. Nothing that I see in here. I uh, I stumbled upon a uh, interesting thing about the uh, devil's tritone, which is that that the chord that was uh, banned by the the church. Um, songs that include that are include the South Park theme, the Simpsons theme, the Munsters theme, the Twilight Zone theme, and uh, uh, Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. And a number of different uh, metal songs, but I thought it was interesting that there was uh, some TV theme songs stuck in there too. Hmm. So, do you think we could get away with playing that on the show? Uh, the Simpsons? No, the Devils. Or... Just the Devils tritone. Yeah, I the, think so. The Devils Devils interval. Let's see. I want to see if I can find a video where it's going to play it, where it's not going to have a bunch of other stuff around it. Well, these are all people kind of explaining it. Uh, let's see. We might we might suffer for this. (laughs) 
Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I mean, I'm kind of recognizing some of that. But uh, then there's also what's called ghost tones. Are you familiar with ghost tones? No, but I think that's a good band name if we ever form a paranormal uh, uh, group again. The ghost tones. Yep. But we only play like rockabilly. Yeah. So I like it. The um, the ghost tones are uh, these notes that you hear with your ears that are never actually played. Really. So when you're playing a certain uh, chord progression, you know your ear will hear that sound even though you don't physically play that note. So it's called a ghost tone because it just appears there. And um, there's the haunted violin of Wareham. You know, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that story. And so that was when I wrote about that in, in my book. That was one of the things that I I wrote about too was the ghost tones. So I'm just I'm looking at this list and I just. I don't understand what it is they're trying to say is backward stuff when it's the regular lyrics to a lot of these songs. I do love that most of these, though, are people point, you know, making fun of people listening to songs backwards. <laughs> like Weird Al has it in two songs. One of them, he says, Satan eats cheese whiz. And then in another one, he says, wow, you must have an, off- have an awful lot of free time on your hands. These people have fun with it. So in Darling Nikki by Prince, he backmasked the phrase, Hello, how are you? I'm fine, because I know the Lord is coming soon. Coming, coming soon, followed by 37 ha's. That would freak me out if I heard that. That was on a Prince song? Yes, I Darling expect, I expect that. I expect that. From a, from but that was still, just hearing that message would freak me out. Didn't he make a uh, a song about the devil? Maybe. If he did, I, I don't know know it off the top of my head. Wasn't it like one of those unreleased like? Doesn't he have like an archive, like a like a vault of like a bunch of like music that's never been released that he never thought was good enough? Maybe. I thought I I thought I saw that and like he's got um. He had, like, microphones and, like, different recording equipment in every room, even bathrooms, just in case, like, he wanted to record something on the fly. I uh, I do like the um, the example that they give from a Jay Giles song. Are you familiar with the Jay Giles song, No Anchovies, Please? No. My So my uncle used to play that for me when I was a kid, and I was really into Weird Al. He's like, you got to listen to this song. You're going to think this is better than anything Weird Al ever did. And apparently if you play No Anchovies, Please backwards, uh, it's disguised as a foreign language, a foreign-sounding language spoken under the narration. But when you play it backwards, it says it doesn't take a genius to tell the difference between chicken bleep and chicken salad. <laughs> so you gotta like, you got to like that. That's a good one. I was aware of the uh, the Insane Clown Posse one. Where? Oh, was 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 this like? Uh, I know of their culture. Yes, one of them. <laughs> one of them actually is uh, somewhat devil related. Where he says, "F the devil, f that s." We believe in life mm-hmm. legit. If you dig in what we say, why throw your soul away? But then you know when you flip this particular song, everybody rise. Which I think, if you know ICP, you know that song. Yeah, if you flip this message because you think there's some secret message, there ain't bleep you know i like the ones where it kind of tweaks the idea of flipping things over and playing them backwards 
But some of these I was unaware that there's even any backward stuff in the song. Hmm. Like, you know, like when you listen to Beck's Loser, you know that there's a part where they play the chorus backwards. Like, you hear that in the song. Right. But I don't know. There's some, some strange things here. I mean, what is it about backwards music and backwards, uh, so like, it, just sounds it, like that, that kind of like make it's that they're unnerving. It, it basically just weirds people out. So what happens is you hear it and you know that it's not correct. And the fact that it's mm. not correct is what freaks you out. Is that your brain like just can't like process it? Like, like because you, it, your brain, like uh, we all know that like your brain tries to make, um, something out of like sense out of chaos and, and, and can it just not? And is that why, like, is, is there like a, a, a fritz going on? And I think that's part of it, is I think that it makes it so that when you hear it and you hear it backwards, um, it's kind of intentionally throwing off your thought process. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it, it's it's not so much that it's hearing chaos, it's that it's causing the chaos. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. And uh, Lamone just asked in the chat room if I know who Bushwick Bill is. Of course I know who Bushwick Bill is. Everybody knows Bushwick Bill from the Ghetto Boys. Um, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I know who he is. Uh, but that's that's one of the things that always weirded me out. I could listen to like the most satanic songs, even as a kid, and not get freaked out. Sometimes I would, like especially if I was driving at night alone down dark back roads and I heard really freaky songs. That might freak me out a little bit. But I always kind of knew it was just a song. But when you play that stuff backwards, that's when it really freaks me out. Like, I think you were the first person to ever play Revolution Number 9 for me. What was that? Okay. I think you were. Oh, backwards? Yes. Uh, we played it back- backwards on the show, I think, right? Yes. Uh, but I think you were the first person to ever play that song for me that I ever heard it. And I didn't like it when I heard it. I was like, no, 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 I don't like this. And then, yeah, when we actually did that show where we were talking about backwards stuff, I, th- I think it was an R. Gary Patterson show. Yeah. yeah. And you were actually playing the backwards cuts. And, you know, I, my eyes were watering and I was freaking out a little bit and I couldn't really deal with it. And so I just, I don't like it. I don't even like thinking about it. We were talking uh, earlier today on the little podcast that did about EVPs. And one of the things that people look into when they're looking into kind of audio research is, is backward speech. And um, the idea is that when you play some of the things that people say backward, what you're really getting is what their what their true message is mm-hmm. in their backward speech. I don't know if I buy into all that. But I just know that it freaks me out too much to listen to it. I mean, has there been any uh, like um, uh, paranormal evidence that you've uh, listened to, like um, like EVPs or that have been played backwards that have said? Sorry, I didn't mean to squeak the microphone, but. We we did that. We did that with the the Freemason mm-hmm. EVP. We played it backward because uh, one of the people that we sent it out to said that when they played it backward, they heard something mm-hmm. different. But does that just like kind of make I don't know, like when doing EVP research, like kind of makes you crazy anyway. So the first time I ever heard of it was when that movie White Noise came out, mm-hmm. and. When I when I heard the clips in the commercials, it was it was, you know, kind of flipping me out. 
So I wasn't sure, like when we started doing the show and getting into some of the research and and having, like, I didn't know how I was going to handle actually having clips on the show and having to do. But in all actuality, the stuff that comes out in the show isn't nearly as crystal clear and creepy as the stuff that was in that movie. Mm-hmm. I still think I should go back and watch. I haven't watched it again, and I I want to go back and watch it again because I first of all I love Michael Keaton, and second of all, um, I think that. You know, I would probably be looking at it from a totally different perspective now. By the way, just a side note, I'm, I saw the uh, trailer for the live-action Dumbo movie. Oh yeah, and I saw that Michael Keaton is in that because it's directed by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm so glad that he's getting a Disney like paycheck. Yeah, like Why he so? deserves it. Like now he's got. He, think about it. He's got the Batman residuals. I'm sure he's got a good residual deal on the right, original Batman. Right. He's got the the Marvel residuals now because he was in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yep. And now he will have Disney residuals. So Michael Keaton's like my favorite actor. He's one of my favorite actors. Mm. I think my favorite two actors are probably Michael Keaton and Clint Eastwood. Um, I know. Uh, was that movie Birdman? That was a really good one. It was too. Like too it was kind of too weird for me. I didn't. I didn't really get it. It was shot very well. Yes, it looked beautiful, mm. but uh, he's also uh, you know he's also one of the greatest movie characters of all time, Beetlejuice. Right, right. There's, so. there's still rumors of Beetlejuice too. Yeah, there is. That's true. John uh, John just had mentioned in the chat room that that uh, Disney owns Marvel, but I was kind of I was kind of uh, differentiating like where he was crossing over into different areas of pop culture more than it was about the the paycheck itself. Uh, but what were we just talking about? You just mentioned. Uh, in ghost research. In ghost uh, research. Uh, like masking, back masking. Oh, no, I was talking uh, about Beetlejuice, the, the Beetlejuice oh, sequel. Beetlejuice, yeah. yeah, supposedly it's still being rumored to be happening, but uh, the more time goes on, the less likely Michael Keaton would be in it. Right. But it might be hard to make anyway. Like if you're going to bring back the original cast... First of all, like Jeffrey Jones, does he even still get work anymore? Yeah, I don't know. Did he die on Deadwood? I don't think that he did. I don't know. I never, uh, I never saw Deadwood because the Deadwood movie is coming out this fall. Yeah, so he might be in that. But really, Jeffrey Jones doesn't really have a lot of uh, work anymore. The whole child porn thing kind of killed that. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd assume so. And rightly so, rightly so. Right. But uh, the. If they did make another Beetlejuice film, like, they would always say, like, oh, it's Beetlejuice Hawaiian style. Like, it's supposed to be, like, take place in Hawaii. Like, that would just be a cheesy gimmick. Right. That would be something that would have worked, like, for the Beetlejuice cartoon, but not for an actual movie sequel. Or that would have been, like, a direct-to-TV, a direct-to-video or made-for-TV movie sequel. Like, if you're going to have a real cinematic sequel and bring everybody together Mm -hmm. after 30 years, it's got to be... Was was the uh, Beetle Beetlejuice uh, cartoon as good as I remember? Or I don't think that it was. No. I think you remember it being good, but that if you went back and watched it, I hate to say it, I kind of felt the same way about the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, I thought I remembered it being just a fantastic cartoon, and I went back and watched it, and it's so slow. Yeah, and and lame and boring. It's on Netflix, <laughs> so you can watch all the episodes on Netflix. But that's. That that is a problem with old uh, cartoons. They are like a lot slower, and and we 
we were wrapped up in them, but in actuality, what they were really doing is they were just giving us a half an hour commercial for the toys. Mm-hmm. You know, those Ghostbuster toys were really good, though. They were, they were, they were great toys. They were, they were like surprisingly detailed. And and it was not only were the action figures great, but like the play accessories were great too. So like if you went out and bought the proton pack, it was a good toy to have. So it wasn't just about having like the action figures and the play sets and the vehicles. It was you could actually go out and get your own proton pack, your own ghost trap. Then they got a little bit weird with some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like they had the slime gun and all that stuff. But a cupcake wants to know how old I am. I'm, I'm 41, going on 14 apparently. So uh I don't know. Like we kind of derailed the show a little bit with some of these topics. But I think it, it goes to show that there is a mainstream effect for a lot of the stuff that we, we talk about here. And these days with people basically being their own content creators, like, sure, there's always going to be Hollywood movies and television and all these big big budget productions and all these things you have to go to the theater to see or, you know, rent from Netflix or, you know, pay for the streaming of Netflix or what have you. There's going to be all of those outlets, of course. But then there's also this strong undercurrent of people producing their own content and that working, that model starting to work more and more. And will we ever reach a point where people are starting to put that same satanic panic outlook on stuff that people are making? You know, it's it's fun to, to talk about it when you're talking about, like, for example, the poltergeist curse. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about that with somebody in the parking lot here the other day. Talking about all the, not just all the deaths, but all the all the strange circumstances that happened around the making of that movie. And how so many of them are coincidental or just, you know, you can't attribute it to any kind of a curse. Mm-hmm. You know, um... I forget his name. Uh, I'm going I'm to be mad because it's going to pop into my head. But the, the actor who played the Indian, Taylor, in Poltergeist 2, uh, he died, I think, of a, of a heart attack while they were filming that movie. But he had had a long history of heart problems. And uh, Julian Beck, who played Reverend Kane, died... Uh, I think either during the filming of part two or right after the end of part two. But he had been sick. He had cancer, I think. So that was something that was coming up. But then you do have Heather O'Rourke's death, which, you know, in the 80s, kids didn't die of the flu. Right. And she actually, I think she died of sepsis because I think she it was like a, a, an intestinal infection related to the flu or something. But then... Um, you know, Dominique Dunn's boyfriend strangles her to death. Like, that's not something that... Will Sampson, thank you, Eileen. I knew it was going to... It would have popped into my head, but... So there seems to be this... Um. <laughs> John saying the intern's too young to get some of these references that we're making. Heather O'Rourke actually died from uh, cardiac arrest um, due to the... When they were trying to right. get rid of the blockage, yeah, yeah. So, wow, that's yeah, yeah. And how old was she at the time? Oh, I just lost the page. Yeah. Um, um, at most ten, mm. maybe eleven. Uh, and then 
See, the problem is, is didn't that happen during the filming of Poltergeist 3? Uh, yeah. So yeah. they, they yeah. have all those scenes where she died before they could finish the movie, and they she basically have a midget in a blonde wig. She's 12. Okay. So they have these scenes where there's a mm-hmm. midget in the blonde wig, especially a lot of those mirror scenes. Yeah. Because uh, Poltergeist 3, as much as it wasn't a great movie, I kind of liked the the concept behind it. And so her, you know, throughout the course of the movie, she's running through this high-rise building that's all nothing but uh, mirrors everywhere you go. So they had to have these scenes where she was running through this hallway and, and Reverend Kane was chasing her through the mirror. But because she had passed away, they had to finish those scenes and they did it with a, a midget in a blonde wig. And it's so unnerving because the midget was kind of overweight but still in the same pajamas she'd been wearing for the whole movie. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just... It, it that sends a chill down my spine more than the actual um, storyline of the film. Yeah, it makes it creepier. Yes, and uh, for, and and listen, I've said this before, and I will say it again: the first Poltergeist movie is probably my favorite movie of all time. So good. The second one, in my opinion, is also a good movie, and I know that that's controversial. People universally pan the third one, but it's it's got its moments. But I have to say that uh, there's no movie that I still... I can watch The Exorcist tonight before I go to bed and close my eyes with no problem. But Poltergeist, even though I've, I've, I've watched it so many times and I know the ins and outs and the making of it, that... Uh, it still creeps me out. Like, I'll still have to sleep with the light on mm-hmm. if I went home and watched that right now. And so that's the sign of a good... Do, do you think there are any... Uh, mo- I don't know if... Uh, um, any modern-day uh, equivalents? Like, any scary movies that are... <laughs> See... the last... I don't know. Some Kylie of the movies know? that have been getting... Hmm? Does Kylie know any scary movies? Kylie, do you watch horror movies? No, I am not into horror really? movies. Hmm. I well, told you guys when I started here, I'm not into scary things at all. Our new intern, not the new intern Kylie, because there is a new intern Kylie, mm-hmm. but our new intern Michaela, not our not a spooky South Coast intern, just Kylie's our spooky South Coast intern. But um, Michaela was telling me earlier that she loves horror movies. So if we need somebody to to, to talk about horror movies, we can we can lean on her. So we don't feel like we're gonna peer pressure you into watching things that you're not comfortable watching. I wouldn't anyway. I wouldn't let you pressure me into that. That being said, you have to watch Faces of Death before next week's episode. Oh, no, I'm just that kidding. Don't watch that. Fun. Do not watch it. I am kidding. It's terrible. You do not want to watch it. Uh, but anyway, modern horror, too, is different. You know, the the first of all, every horror movie now that they make, it's, it's designed to be a franchise, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. But there's been a few good ones that have popped up here and there. Did you see Hereditary? I heard it was very good, though. So it was, but again, it it ruined me uh, at the end. I I really enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the slow. It was that's, it's very much a slow burn movie. I mean, I think that's the, that's a problem with like most. Uh, I mean, most even most films nowadays is they don't know how to end things. 
the, and, and yeah, that's the the biggest problem is you you build like, the story up. Is it is it that they build it up so much that you can't deliver? Mm-hmm. I don't think that that was the case in Hereditary. I just think that they they went in what was supposed to be a an unexpected direction, and it just it kind of cheapened the story a little bit. I felt the same way about Mother when I saw that, but then I found out Mother is an allegory to like a biblical story, and then I dug oh, into really? it more, and I was like, okay, now it makes sense. But um, yeah. Hereditary was really good, but then it petered out for me at the end. But it's definitely worth watching. There's one scene that there's one scene very early in the film that you will either scream or laugh when it happens, and I I was kind of like uh, you know a, a, oh damn mm-hmm. um, Daria who is probably listening tonight we were talking about it and she said. You know, she just laughed out loud because it looked so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I didn't feel that same way. I was kind of shocked by it. But so anyway, it's it's worth checking out. And I think we're getting some good horror films mm-hmm. that are like that. The Babadook was a good movie. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, how do you feel about the uh, the the Pet Cemetery remake? Well, do you think it's gonna be poopy? Or? Sometimes dead is better, and maybe, <laughs> maybe they should have left it at that. You know, that's the thing is everybody loves. This, the the original '80s Pet Cemetery movie, and right. it was a good movie, but it also was not a faithful adaptation of the Stephen King book. And they're saying that it was pretty close, but mm-hmm. not perfect. And they're, I think they were saying that this one is actually going to be more of a direct. I mean, they did a great job with it. I was I was happy with so, it. Yeah, I was. Not only was I happy with it, I was excited for the sequel mm-hmm. because I felt the. But again, the only thing that I would say negative about it is I felt like. It gave up too easily. Yeah, I agree. So if you aren't aware that there's going to be a sequel as a movie standing alone on its own, it's a disappointing ending. But if you are familiar with the story or you know that there's a second one coming out, then it's not so bad. Gene Johnson's telling me to go home and watch Evil Dead. I will watch Evil Dead all day, any time of day. It's really good. Like, Evil Dead does not phase me in any way. I think that it's great. I think that the original is... Um, I find it kind of boring mm. compared to two. And right. Then, well, two, two, they had a budget. Right. So. <laughs> I think what the problem is, is as I'm watching, like now as I watch Evil Dead, I'm like waiting for Ash to be Ash. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like when you watch the, the original, it's like he's not Ash yet. So the transformation, the, yeah. the transformation is part of the fun. Exactly. Yeah. And did you end up watching all of the uh, the Evil Dead series? Uh, yeah, yep. I mean, that is just so great. Right. I mean, Ar- Army Darkness kind of uh, was a little ridiculous. Yes. But uh, but it was good. It was great. But it's uh, entertaining yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. You know. So uh, anyway, we're we're about out of time. So uh, I certainly would like to keep this conversation going. We welcome your thoughts and comments. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast dot com. Email us that way. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at SpookySC, and you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Snapchat. Matt's on Twitter. Uh, we'll we'll even make Kylie start talking to people on social media, too. No, you don't want to do that. We have some weird people. You're too young. So until next until the, again, no show next week, but until next time, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Kylie, I'm Tim. Stay spooktacular. <laughs>